0: Question, will the Dirty Dog Darcy at all rate any matches above Mr. Beverly Hills? Question, will Mr. Beverly Hills go on a long-winded rant about some weird historical fact? Question, will Dirty Dog Darcy reference a podcast he listened to this week? so many questions. Now is the time to find out the answers on Night-night. Main Event Status Radio. Have a nice
1: day! From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Bass Street, Minnesota, you own Maine. Main Event Status Radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210. And
0: the Dirty Dog, dirty. Welcome everybody to Main Event Status Radio. You're listening to Mr. Beverly Hills and the Dirty Dog, Darcy. <laughs> how's, it, how's it going, Dirty Dog?
1: What oh. you chewing on over there? Ooh, I'm chewing on some dog biscuits. <laughs> I'm drinking a can A Mountain Dew throwback for this episode, because we're throwing back to, what, 1980-something? 1988. What What are we reviewing today, Mr. Beverly Hills?
0: Well, we're continuing on in our month of firsts. This week we are going with Clash of Champions 1 from the Greensboro Coliseum.
1: What was Clash of Champions 1 going up against?
0: Oh, Well, it was going up against WrestleMania 4, the big tournament.
1: Where the Macho Man finally hit main event status. <laughs> he won the WWF title from Ted DiBiase. Heck yeah. That was, I mean,
0: a good one to go against, to be honest, because the matches in this one blew away pretty much anything that was on uh, WrestleMania 4. I was going to ask
1: you about that because it's been many a year since we, you and I. Got together, and we watched WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5, and I remember yes. you and I having a tough time going through both in WrestleManias.
0: I think I fell asleep during WrestleMania 4, to tell you the truth, so... <laughs>
1: well, Rex, I remember the only reason why you and I stayed awake for WrestleMania 5 was Jesse Ventura dropped a line about... Him giving out a Jesse Proverbs.
0: Yeah, he was pretty good in that one. He not so much in WrestleMania Four. WrestleMania Four is pretty boring. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Clash of the Champions one.
1: I am kind of wishing that Jesse Ventura would have called this one, for he could he could give us some Jesse proverbs like during <laughs> WrestleMania Five. Right. But for uh, maybe if we ever do review WrestleMania Five or any other any shows with Jesse Ventura, we can try to find some. The beautiful gems that are called Jesse Proverbs. You got it. Hashtag Jesse Proverbs. (laughs) So, yes, we are reviewing Clash of Champions 1 when it's still the NAA.
0: (laughs) From Monday, March 27th. That's uh, later when we talk about Al Perez. The (laughs) NWA.
1: But, yeah, it's from the Greensboro Coliseum from Greensboro, North Kakalaki. You got it. Jim Crockett Promotions response to Wrestlemania 4.
0: Well, it's really the response to Survivor Series 87. So you want to tell us about that? Well, like I said, like you heard in the intro, you know I'm going to go into some long-winded historical rant. Here you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> so Starcade is always on Thanksgiving um, up to that point. And on Thanksgiving 87, WWF responded by do, uh, putting on Survivor Series 87 to kind of cut into the um, pay-per-view carriage of, of Starcade. So when spring came around and it was time for WrestleMania, NWA responded by putting on uh, Clash of the Champions in opposition to WrestleMania 4. What what so,
1: was the main event for storycade that year? Do you remember?
0: Uh, in 86 or 87, that would have been Flair versus Garvin.
1: Do you have you ever watched that match before?
0: Yeah, it's all right. It's gotten a ba- it's gotten a really bad rap over time just because like Ron Garvin his reign as a uh, champion kind of just gets crapped on, but it's not a bad match.
1: Okay. The reason why I wanted to ask, because I remember how the main event of Survivor Series that year was Team Hogan versus Team Andre and Team Andre won. So that's why I wanted to kind of ask what the main event of Starcade was, to kind of see what the two main events were... At that time, because obviously the main event for this match was, or for this card was Steen versus Ric Flair up against Ted DiBiase versus Randy Savage. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's kind of it's interesting to actually put that into perspective because the '87 Survivor Series is obviously going to have a lot more star power: Andre, Hogan. I don't know who else was there, but
1: Bam Bam, yeah. yeah,
0: Yep, so versus Garvin and Flair, which Flair's a huge star, but Garvin maybe not so much. And then you pose it to this one, you have um, in the main event DiBiase and Macho, which maybe isn't the biggest thing uh, going uh, where NWA has its probably two biggest stars at the time in their main event. So
1: now To me, when I hear Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase, I would assume that match would be a stellar match if not a right around a four star match if not higher
0: sure yep in the ring probably a really great match but um, just looking at paper maybe not the highest drawing match
1: yeah well, especially when going into that Wrestlemania we didn't know for sure exactly what the main event was going to be right but
0: it could have been Butchery versus the one man gang
1: true or it could have been Miss uh, <laughs> Elizabeth versus Andre the Giant uh, probably not well, Miss Elizabeth would have been a great <laughs> WWE champion. <laughs>
0: Whatever. Regardless, Whatever. let's get into this. Let's yeah. get into this card here. show
1: opened up with a video package about the main events of the night. Pondering yep. a lot of questions. Yes. Question. <laughs> TBS, yeah, it also said the TBS was presenting Clash of the Champions for we can see all these questions come to a head. Hi, Kat. Then that, uh, yeah, that we see a montage of NWA title belts. Yep. What's your thoughts about that montage?
0: Oh, I liked it. I liked seeing the the title belts and seeing the ones that were going to be on the line. I think all of them were on the line except the U.S. title tonight.
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah.
0: So all the major ones.
1: And before we go into who, are, who welcomes us to the show, I know... Last week, I asked you about your thoughts about WWE Night of Champions, and this is the Clash of the Champions. Right. I was thinking about this within the last week when we recorded last week's episode and this episode. I think WWE should have brought back the Clash of the Champions over Night of Champions. At least use that name for their pay-per-view in September. I can see that. I can definitely see that. That makes sense to me. just, Just because, you know, Clash of the Champions, at least at the start... And the start of Night of Champions, they are the same, pretty much the same concept. Okay.
0: So well, now, I don't think I don't know if Clash of the Champions has the concept of always def- of defending all the belts, but it works. If for it works, if they wanted to use that name for that concept, I yeah. would. I would surely go with that.
1: Well yeah, and, uh, Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show mm-hmm. with Bob Connell and Jim Ross.
0: Well, not quite Jim Ross yet, but it starts with Bob Connell. Then they throw it down to Jim Ross. What's your thoughts on Tony's
1: mustache?
0: Love it. Always have, always
1: will. I did write down Tony's mustache. It's great stuff. Is amazing. It's amazing. It's
0: good stuff, man.
1: Then uh, two, I assume it was Tony Giovanni and Bob Connell mentioned that they're excited for the night. Mm-hmm. You know, and they
0: also mentioned this... Uh, uh, apparently huge happening that happened the night before with Dusty and Tully and a baseball bat. <laughs> and a lot, and um, a lot of the different guys who they interview on, um, interviews, I guess, go and talk about the the Dusty with the baseball bat stuff. Interestingly enough, Dusty doesn't talk about it.
1: Okay, what happened from the night before Dusty and the baseball bat? Yeah, to be honest, I have not seen it. Can't tell you. Sorry. Okay, fair enough. Then uh, Tony sends it down to Jim Ross, who is ringside, and Jim Ross sauced it when he put over the first match.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and apparently Tony comes racing down, because Jared's like, Tony's going to join me in a second here. (laughs) That's funny. I just thought that was funny.
1: So what is the first match of the night?
0: All right, the first match of the night we got um, for the NWA TV title, um, jimmy garvin with precious versus microtondo with kevin sullivan um, now i mean we talked about sunshine a couple weeks back what was your you know this is the the always the burning questions what does dirty dog darcy think about jimmy garvin's valets how does precious strike you I mean, is it sunshine level? Is it above sunshine level? Below?
1: When we reviewed the WCCW episode, I did mention that I we did have a storm coming through St. Cloud, Minnesota that day. Then there was a then we had some sunshine when, when, when you and I recorded the podcast. Then right. after we got to record the podcast, it stormed again. Okay. So I believe when we reviewed WCCW episode sixty five sunshine brought me some sunshine okay so
0: were you feeling precious today or were you not feeling so precious
1: i got about 10 hours of sleep last night nice good for you and this weekend i'm pretty sure you know the weather is just the same you know same if not better for where you're at mr beverly hills a pretty good yeah but i want to say especially for a september weekend the minnesota weather for what i'm experiencing is pretty precious (laughs)
0: So we can say that you're you're a fan of Precious then, huh?
1: I love ladies. <laughs> I love Jimmy Garvin's ladies. Awesome. Jimmy Dam, you're women. Ha <laughs> ha. Woo! Are beautiful. Are gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Love it. And we might as well also talk about. This is what our third reincarnation of Micro Tendo that we've experienced over the episodes so far. Oh my gosh! I suppose it would be, huh? And so far, we we saw Micro Tendo as IRS. Yep. In an interview segment, I don't. Oh, no, and and in a match, he was super sweaty and through his white T-shirt. Yes. Last week we saw him on the first WCW Nitro. As Mr. Wall Street, Mr. Wall Street, yeah. Now we see him as the World Television Champion, Microtundo, or Tunda, yes. whatever. Yeah, right. What's your thoughts on Microtundo making, uh, a through a th- making his appearance with his third gimmick on Main Event Status Radio?
0: Well, um, this is probably my favorite Microtunda. With um, with IRS being second, but this is probably probably my favorite incarnation of Microtunda, much better than Mister Wall Street.
1: I know. Um, I know. In the early raw episodes, we were talking about how up to that point, the smoking guns were the main event status stars for yeah. on main event status radio.
0: Have they I been? F- a- they've been on the mall, it's got to be right.
1: I feel like Mike Rotunda is giving them a run for their money.
0: It's challenging them for sure, yes.
1: So if if there was a match and you can well as well do Micro Tunda and IRS with Mr. Wall Street in their corner oh. versus the smoking guns, who would win?
0: <laughs> well um, I gotta say The microtunda team because apparently he has mastered like human replication so (laughs) anyone with the power to clone uh will probably beat two cowboys so my choice would be the microtunda
1: team good job i have a feeling that irs will be listening to our podcast
0: (laughs) well i have a question for you um what is your thoughts on the the varsity club, I guess, in general, but really like the pairing between the varsity club and Kevin Sullivan,
1: very, very unique yeah i I just don't get it i don't I don't get it either, but I was trying to think back to like I guess varsity club's kinda seems seems like a throwback to like the high school days, right, or I guess even college days since college yeah. was, our college days was a lot closer to us than our high school days, yeah, I feel like. Well, I can say so more from college than in high school, but I feel like in college I had a lot of odd pairings of friends. Okay, and you can kind of attest to that fact since you knew me most of my college career.
0: Right. Yeah. And you
1: know that I've had a lot of interesting friends. Sure. Or you can say that I'm the odd one out of my pairing of friends.
0: So you're the Kevin Sullivan, is what you're saying?
1: I don't know if I want. I don't know if I'm the cult leader. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good of a talker, but I guess you could say <laughs> that I'm the Kevin Sullivan of my group of friends from college.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just don't I just don't get the the reference there between um you know, Sullivan and these high school, college wrestler types. I guess I think they should have gone like I don't know, this might have this might sound really cheesy, but I wish they would have like made Sullivan that he like brainwashed all these like dumb jocks and they were like basically like zombies that would do whatever he wanted that
1: would have made and sense. like yeah. make them
0: like make them like really stupid <laughs> sounding like really dumb jocks
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think that would have been better because like Rotunda seems like he just uh like on his own wanting you know joined up with Sullivan and I don't think that makes so much sense
1: Yeah, so we might as well get into the match Sure. Did you we'll catch, tell the rules? Yeah, did yep. you catch the rules of the match? Mm-hmm. Yep. So,
0: p- amateur rules, quote unquote. They are really amateur rules, but it's that fi- three five minute periods, and uh, you only have to get your opponent down for a one count for the yes. for the title or for yeah for the
1: the win. What's your thoughts on that set of rules?
0: Um, I mean they it's okay it's not the round stuff isn't my favorite but it uh I don't know I think if you want to do like these things to give one of the sides a bigger advantage you almost have to go like all the way and make like takedowns worth points and and all that kind of thing instead of and near falls and stuff like that Instead of just doing the one count, because how does the one count um necessarily give the advantage to rotunda? I mean it gives us just as good an advantage to Garvin, right
1: yeah
0: I would say oh he so he you know he needs to get him down for one count too. I don't think there's any specific advantage that uh rotunda gets, whereas if you add in all those other things, you maybe do see that advantage, so
1: yes. And before we get into the match, I want to say, just like the WCCW episode that we reviewed, Jimmy Garvin's hair is amazing.
0: It was pretty awesome. It wasn't moving as much in one piece as it was in the WCCW one, but it was still pretty darn good.
1: I am thinking, well, I was thinking about for next week and for your wedding, Mr. Beverly Hills. I am (laughs) thinking about getting a haircut. But I might pass up on the haircut for I can grow my hair like Jimmy Garvin.
0: <laughs> well, my hair's a lot closer to Jimmy Garvin's than yours is, so maybe maybe I'll just forego the, the haircut so I can just do this kind of thing.
1: The, 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 the mini hair, the mini Garvin. Yep.
0: <laughs> Actually, Mrs. Beverly Hills has hair quite similar to Jimmy Garvin. And what do you mean, precious? She, I, I, well, I think I'm more sunshine than precious, actually. The,
1: the, the, can, they, can I be precious?
0: <laughs> You'll have to ask her. Okay, well, I guess, I, 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 be I, honest, guess. I think, I think you're more baby doll than anything. <laughs> I was
1: <laughs> going to say, I can stay as Kevin Sullivan for the wedding, how about that? <laughs> okay, I'll, that works. I can talk about the Buddha, honey, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Can't. Oh man. <laughs> we, we should get—we should get to the match.
0: Yeah, we should. We're going to be on
1: for like four hours at this race. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, there's there was a lot of back and forth counters for the first few minutes of the match.
0: Yeah, and I thought, you know, Garvin really held his own in the style. Um, to me, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. But oh shoot, man. but it does. It does. He did at least did good job of uh, carrying on with the with the style with the style as presented there.
1: What's your thoughts on Teddy Long's skullet? Uh, what was your thoughts on how skinny Teddy Long was? I feel like he looked a lot older back in '88 than he does in 2014.
0: Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know because he was. Uh, yeah, he was uh, super skinny. Scullet was really long. I don't know. I don't know if I like this look.
1: Yeah, same here. Yeah, then IRS did a lot of jumping jacks in the rain. He did anger Garvin some. Yeah, yeah. Good job, IRS.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then Jimmy comes back with a couple tosses and a couple slams, and that chases Rotunda out, um, and then Jimmy also went outside and got a kiss from Precious.
1: Yes, yeah, so and I did write down that Garvin did a beautiful, nice arm arm drag. Yes. Which, the, which popped the fans since, uh, Gore, or, uh, since Jimmy Garvin had the quick advantage. Yep. And IRS came in and uh, did hit a, uh, hit a few technical maneuvers.
0: Mm hmm, mm hmm. Yep, and he gets him kind of close to finishing him off by the end of the uh, first period.
1: Yeah, because I did write down that Garvin rolled to his belt. Oh, let's see. Ended, towards the end of round one, Garvin Jr. rolled to his belt, and IRS tried to roll him over for the pin, unable to piss off Mr. Wall Street.
0: Yes, it did. Yep.
1: And that was the end of round one. Yep. Ooh, you cracked open a can. I did, I did. You must have cracked open the can to end of round one. I don't remember. Yes, I like that stuff. <laughs> then yeah, then we must have started the round two. That IRS, Mr. Wall Street gained the early advantage, ran up to the top rope, got caught. Garvin gained the upper the upper hand. Sullivan got a hold of precious, distracted mm-hmm. Garvin. Letting Mr. Wall Street IRS his way to the victory. <laughs>
0: yeah, he rolled up Jimmy and got him with the one count to, to finish it off. What? Yep.
1: <laughs> so the winner yep. is Mike Rotunda, still your NWA World Television Champion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, was able to do it.
1: I ready this match. Two in one fourth stars. A wall?
0: I also rated this two and one four stars. Oh, wow, that's impressive. Yep. Same, same rating. I yes. I enjoyed this. You can even look at it. It was
1: impressive. I like it. Yep. Nice, beautiful yep. handwriting too. <laughs> Thank you. I love this match. I thought like this is a good opener match. Yep. The crowd was really into it. I thought like the announcers had good chemistry together. Mm-hmm. I thought like they put the match and the wrestlers over.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's it's a good starter. It it was a you know kind of a non finish, kind of a cheap finish, but um, it worked for what it was. And it's you know it's the opener. We we get kind of some more well, maybe not super clean finishes, but some some better stuff to come. So I think it's fine. and, it, and this is one of the I think kind of the fewer ones that really propels a storyline forward. So. And and we'll talk about that in the post-match here, so... So, yeah, we'll we'll
1: also talk about the post-match where Sullivan ran in and started a double-team Garvin and Rick Steiner came in to Mm. triple-team. Yep. And Precious... (laughs) What did Precious grab to uh, even the
0: eyes? <laughs> I, I had the same reaction you did. She comes in with a freaking board. A 2x4. <laughs> a 2x4. Hacks and and, and, hits, and hits Steiner across the back with it. I was like, where in the hell did Precious <laughs> find a 2x4? She was not holding said 2x4 for any of the match. She just appears and hit." Hits Rick Steiner in his yellow shoes across the back with the, the board.
1: Then she started to chuck out Sullivan with a <laughs> coat hanger.
0: Yeah, why'd she get the <laughs> coat hanger? They're just like, Oh, Precious has got the coat hanger. Why'd uh, she get the coat hanger?
1: I did not even notice that she was chucking with the coat hanger until the replay. <laughs> it was definitely a coat hanger. Yeah, the the fans were on their feet or going bananas <laughs> with Precious. <laughs> What, what, I, I, I felt like, Gar, because of the post-match, I felt like Garvin didn't seem to be hurt by the loss.
0: Sure, I would agree with you. Okay, well, because, you? I mean, like, it was clearly, you know, because of the distraction.
1: Yeah, that, and, because, and that with Precious' so help at the end, I felt like yeah, Garvin walked out untouched by the one right. clock co- well, co- I mean, loss.
0: By the end of the two, three minutes after the bell, you don't even remember it. Oh. It's it's some good booking to, you know, keep keep the title on Rotunda without even having to do, a, like, a disqualification or something, yet still make, you know, Garvin not look uh, too weak on that one. So, yeah, I agree with you.
1: Then we go back to Bob Cottle. Yep. Who welcomes us <laughs> back from a commercial <laughs> break doing? with Dr. Death Steve Williams.
0: Uh, yes, and Dr. Death Steve Williams has decided to um wrap himself up in an American flag for the evening.
1: <laughs> What's your thoughts on Dr. Death? Um, oh man. You
0: know, I really like Dr. Death in the ring. I think he's a he's a really good wrestler, a big-time bruiser. Um, just knocked the snot out of anybody, but I did not like this interview, I guess. I got some some choice lines from Dr. Death that I thought were pretty funny
1: okay. yeah, Cottle put over uh, Dr. Death came back from a tour from Japan yep because yeah, because yeah, Dr. Death was I think you were mentioning it last week in the episode, episode 9 for WCW at Nitro that Dr. Death was one of the guys that went back and forth on touring Japan mm-hmm, mm-hmm so, yep do you, have you seen any of his work in Japan?
0: I've seen some stuff, and it's really good. Him and uh, Terry Gordy as the Miracle Violence Connection is awesome stuff.
1: I would definitely like to possibly review one of their matches on the episode sometime. You got it. Then, uh, yeah, then I guess there's something going on with Dr. Death and Dusty Rhodes.
0: Well, I don't know. Go on with your bad self, Dusty. I hear him say that. And then who... Who is was he challenging that his name was on the dotted line?
1: Well, I know I did write down that Williams mentioned that he hopes Steen wins the title, but he wants whoever the champion will be in the main over. Oh, okay.
0: okay, that's who his name was on the dotted line. He said that a couple times. And then he also said that he was like a bullet and that he is as clean as he looks. <laughs> and then he said something. I, I just wrote down gold, the gold carpet.
1: Yeah, I don't, remember I don't know why
0: I wrote that. that. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. And then I wrote, as he was leaving, it sounded like he said, Bye-bye, take a dare!
1: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> then we go to a commercial break and come back with James E. Cornett in, in the ring. Mm-hmm. And he welcomes his NWA United States team champions, the Midnight Express.
0: A beautiful Bobby and sweet Stan.
1: Before we talk about the, their the match and their opponents, do you know the radio show Coast to Coast AM? I'm aware of it. You know, if the if you if you listeners don't know anything about Coast to Coast AM, it runs well. I here in Minnesota, Central Time, midnight to 4 a.m. So overnights, and they push talk about paranormal stuff. And I want to ask you, Mr. Beverly Hills, if you know you knew what the opening theme song is for Coast to Coast AM.
0: oh is it the, from the Midnight Express movie
1: it, uh, at least it was a song that I, I guess I assume ties in with the Midnight Express or
0: whatever no oh I don't know if it's the exact same thing kind of sounds like it this is the Midnight Express song yeah that song yeah that's the Midnight Express
1: yeah, because, yeah, yeah, Ice Coast to Coast AM opens up with that song. And right. I guess I whenever I hear the opening of Coast to Coast, yeah, when a, a feud far between I listen to it, I think about the Midnight Express and James E. Cornette.
0: Nice. nice. They kind of had this weird kind of dubbed one on the network version, but,
1: yeah. So, the yeah, the Midnight are- Express is Bobby Eaton, sweet, sweet Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Who right. are the champions with James E. Cornette versus the Fantastics who were Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers
0: got it and i love the Fantastics just in general
1: okay i'm might, I might well let you take over take over this match and what happened okay
0: well it was very fast paced and really heavy brawling as the Fantastics uh, come out in their little bow ties and vests um, you know they start bra- they start brawling with the with the midnight express right away and um fulton gets a chair and he's hitting eaten with it and uh i liked this double back body drop or or a back body drop uh where fulton or i don't know they back body drop on the stand so I'm like that's what i wrote and um the midnight's take over on the outside with some chair shots um and a lot with this with this table that's going on on the outside too. Did you notice that yeah. one?
1: I guess before I know- before the table, I did. Yeah, I did write down the, the Midnight Express hit an awesome double what a maneuver.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes they
1: did. And the announcers yeah. didn't have a name for their for their move. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think they had a lot of names. Now the the Midnight Express had a name for like everything they did.
1: And I also want to ask you about your thoughts on the referees for this match.
0: That's Randy Anderson, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he was fine. I because
0: he was... T- I don't know if, like, it wasn't stated as a no-disqualification match, but he definitely treated it as such.
1: Uh, it was uh, Teddy Long as a, as a referee for the last match. Yeah. I like referees, if you guys don't know yet. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll let you get back into this match.
0: Okay, so Cornette starts moving around this table and this chair... And Jr. says that Cordette is still moving furniture. (laughs) And I took notice that the crowd is just insane for this match. Just they are, you know, crazy, crazy into it. Um, And Eaton, uh, he starts with this huge slam to take control. And then there's a really, really long control section with the the Midnight's keeping Rodgers in the ring. Uh, keeping away from his partner, um, and you know usually that can get really boring. I thought uh, these guys uh, did a better job than most during the control section, just because Eaton and Lane are a lot better than you know most tag team wrestlers. You know I think they could do that, um, and I think Rogers was pretty. Um, you know, convincing in his his sadness in the ring, I guess. <laughs> and um, yeah, they they go outside and they first slam him onto the table that the chairs on top of, and then they bulldog him onto it. Um, they bring him back in, and uh, Eaton no, Lane drop toe holds him, and Eaton elbows him on the back, which I thought was awesome. Um, do you have any other notes before the
1: finish? Uh, let's see. Yeah, there was a tag me behind the referee's back with the Fantastics, but the referee didn't see it, so mm-hmm. that tag wasn't legal, which I like those kind of spots in tag team matches. I wish that yeah. wrestling nowadays would do that because I, cause how that always, the, how the crowd reaction I was back, then when spots mm-hmm. like that happens, I always like the crowd jumps for it.
0: Yeah, I, I really think that um, – you know, tag team wrestling has uh, really fallen off the the southern tag team, you know, structure. It's very you know, each match is similarly kind of paced, but um, you know, it really lets the the wrestlers do a lot with it. And um, I don't know, I think they can do a lot of a lot of things with it that that doesn't happen nowadays.
1: So, how about you get to the finish of the match?
0: Okay, so the finish is this crazy sequence back and forth. Um, it ends with the rocket launcher, which is, I think, Fulton throwing Rogers off the top rope um, onto, someone got hit with a chair, I remember that, and then he, the rocket launcher ended up uh, going to, oh god, I gotta back up again, so Fulton <laughs> threw, sorry, Fulton threw Randy Anderson over the top rope, that happened. Then the rocket launcher happened. Tommy Young came out, counted the three. We think we have new U.S. tag team champions, but no, no, no. Randy Anderson comes back in the ring and says, no go. No new tag team champions.
1: Yeah, how the original referee was thrown over the top rope. Mm-hmm. And all that. Which the second referee, I like gave the Fantastics the victory, but because the, because the the original referee was thrown over the top rope, and because of over the over-the-top rope ruling, I guess also put his hands on the referee, the original referee threw out the second referee's decision, giving the Midnight Express the victory.
0: Yes. And then also, that leads to then the a huge beatdown by Cornet and the Midnights. Lots of tennis racket shots. Just yes. a... It's a big time attack.
1: Go, James E. Cornet.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: So I rated this match one and three, four stars. I did bump up my original rating because of your description of this match.
0: I'm literally stunned. Why? Um, because me and your idol Dirty Dave Meltzer both agree that this match is three and three quarters stars.
1: I guess for me I did not get into this match because I guess kind of like the WCCW episode we covered it was a brawl.
0: Okay. and It really
1: was. It was hard for me to keep notes and I already had a tough time figuring out who was who in the match. Well fair but enough. I had a tough time getting getting into the match. I, I can handle that. And like I said before this match, I think before we recorded that, the only guy I originally knew, if it wasn't for Wikipedia, was Jim Cornette.
0: <laughs> and if you don't know who we're talking about, that could be an issue.
1: And to answer one of the questions in the intro of the, of the podcast, <laughs> I love Jim Cornette's podcast. The Jim Cornette go. experience. There you go. But. But if Jim Cornette and I would sit down and talk about politics, and Mr. Beverly Hills, you know I don't talk about politics that much because I really don't care. But, <laughs> but if I know for a fact if, if Jim Cornette and I would sit down in a room and talk about politics, which he likes to talk about, him and I might throw be throwing fisticuffs. Oh, my. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so if you don't like – so well, I guess if you like you know, hearing – professional wrestlers rant about wrestling and rant about politics Then have different wrestlers come on or people from wrestling come on as guests. The Jim Cornette Experience is a good podcast to listen to. Nice. And it's free, just like this podcast. <laughs> so, sure. that, so he would go back to Bob Connell and he puts over the barbed wires being wrapped around the ropes for the next match. Mm-hmm. Then we see a video package of with Ken Osmond.
0: You got it, yep.
1: That's his name. Who played Kenny Castle? Eddie, Eddie Haskell. Oh, Eddie. Eddie Haskell from the, the new Leave it to Beaver show. Uh-huh. Then then Ken Osmond interviewed Jim Cornette.
0: Yeah, at kind of like in character, which was a little strange too. Like he he interviewed him as Eddie Haskell and what what'd you think about this interview? What was your thoughts?
1: I only had one note about this. Okay, what do you got? Haskell wanted to ask about the Minette Express and about Mama Cornet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And are you familiar with Leave It to Beaver at all? Have you ever watched it? No. Okay. So back in the fifties when the original Leave It to Beaver was on, obviously Ken Osman was, you know, twenty five years younger. He was like a teenager. And the the gimmick or the joke or whatever would be that he would come over and he'd always like flirt with the mom, Mrs. Cleaver. Makes sense. And so that's kind of funny because he's a teenager, right? Yeah. It's not so much when Ken Osmond's like 70 years old,
1: it's kind of creepy. Yeah.
0: I thought this was a very creepy
1: thing. Cause I don't know. Just think of it. I know Mama could not be a lot older. I'm, <laughs> right. I give, I hope she's still alive yeah I don't know I think if Mama Cornette is still alive I wonder how well Mama Cornette and Mama Darcy would get along. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be good pals when their kids are bickering <laughs> about politics <laughs> just saying awesome then I'll let you talk about this next interview that we come back with Gary Hart and Al Perez
0: yeah, I liked. Well, I don't know. I like Gary Hart, um, Al Perez. I don't know. Sounds weird. He kind of talks strangely. He talks like he has a bunch of marbles in his mouth.
1: What like like, I don't. He's, he's
0: like Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, I'm coming for you. And uh, but Gary Hart was awesome, and he, especially when he finished with. I invented the dirty deeds, brother.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, Gary Hart. You don't, you do not invent the dirty dog.
0: Oh, well, he invented the dirty deeds, but I liked Yeah. I like Gary Hart as a manager and I actually like Al Perez as a wrestler too. If you've seen any of him, I, I think he's, he's a kind of an underrated wrestler really of the eighties. And, um, like I said, he's, he's good stuff. And, um, maybe his lack of really any skill on the mic kind of held him back. So,
1: okay, so I don't. I didn't know what the Al Prez, like, well, he said that Al, well, I might not say that the El Prez started a toxin, he'll take more than a baseball bat to keep him down.
0: Yeah, I like that line.
1: And he's coming for the United States Heavyweight Championship and how, yeah, they were talking about Dusty Rhodes and how Dr. Death was talking about Dusty Rhodes Mm-hmm. Uh, how my notes, are, how Al Prez mentioned the U.S. title, was Dusty Rhodes the U.S. champion at this time?
0: Um, there's a good chance.
1: Okay, because I just thought about that, like, that would make sense why, you know, Dr. Death and Al Prez were calling out Dusty Rhodes, how the U.S. title, like we talked about last episode with Nitro, with Steam being the U.S. champion in that episode, how, how it's like the U.S. title is pretty much a stepping stone towards the WCW title back then. Sure. How to so make the the next you know, approach the next level. Approach Pete, you know whoever becomes the US champion, there's a good chance that they're gonna challenge a world champion and in and, and if I remember correctly, like back then the US champion was usually considered one of the top challengers for the world championship. Sure. So then yeah, then Bob Cuttle sent it to Francis Crockett. Yep. Who who represented the Crockett family in the gym Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. Yes, she wanted to put over the top ten teams for this tournament thing.
0: The ten seeds.
1: now I did. You take note of these ten seeds? No, because I was bored by her, her presentation.
0: <laughs> I did, and I spent a lot of time stopping and writing it down because it
1: went so fast. Okay, tell us about these ta- ten tag teams, Beverly Hills. All right, these are the
0: top ten seeds of the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup tournament. Number 10, Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. Number nine, Sting and Ronnie Garvin. Number eight, the Varsity Club. Number seven, the Fantastics. Number six, Barry Windham and Lex Luger. Number five, the Powers of Pain. Number four, the Midnight Express. Number three, Road Warriors. Number two, the Superpowers. And number one, Art Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Now, that was probably just as boring as Francis Crockett, I've, who I wrote. <laughs> who I wrote that is a fountain of charisma. I feel like I don't you know. Put What's it your over.
1: Thought? I feel like you put it over better than she did. Well,
0: thank you. I do appreciate that.
1: And there were three teams better than those ten teams. Who is that? Joe draw of the Joe, uh, Joe Drilling and Eric Allen from what a maneuver. Okay, Black Cat and Dre. From old school wrestling podcast and the greatest tag team of all Beverly Hills. <laughs> Who's that? Mister Beverly Hills nine zero two one zero and the Dirty Dog from from main event main event status radio.
0: Oh, thank you. I do appreciate
1: that. I bet if this tournament would become a thirteen team tournament, <laughs> the what a maneuver guys, uh, the old school wrestling podcast guys, and the in the main event status radio, guys would be tied for number one. Well, I do appreciate that. Not, not to toot say. our own horns, but
0: toot, toot, <laughs> toot. Well, I'm better than, I think we're both better than Francis Crockett, so yes. there's at least that.
1: How I mentioned, I don't feel like I'm the greatest of talkers, but I feel like I'm a little bit better than her. Why? Well, I think you are as well. At, at least I have subscribers to, podca- to our podcast. So I guess we have <laughs> subscribers to our podcast better than she does. Yeah, I agree. Just saying. <laughs> so we also go to the next match. Okay. The barbed wire six-man tag team match. Okay. With Doody Dusty woe, baby and the in the Road Warriors with Precious Paul Ellering. Yep. First is Ivan Koloff in the Powers of Pain. Yep. With the barbarian, the barbarian and the warlord with but number 1 Paul Jones.
0: Yeah, no wrong. Paul Jones. Now I noticed in the intro to this, it said that it was a Chicago Street Fight, Texas Barbed Wire match. How can it be both a Chicago Street Fight and a Texas Barbed Wire match, Dirty Dog Darcy?
1: I do not know, cause I also let's see. I swore I took down. Yes, yeah, so I took down a note from what Tony told us about the match during the match. Okay. Tony tells us um, that the winner of the match will be declared by the last man standing. Oh, really? Yet, uh, that's not how the finish... That wasn't the finish. Yeah. The finish was the referee running in and doing a three count. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I thought he... I guess I thought he said that it was going to be like a one fall to a finish, but...
1: Well, that's, that's what I got from Tony. Was The winner of the match will be declared by the last team standing. Well, I guess that could be a pinfall victory, but... <laughs> When somebody told, ta- when the announcers told me that I'm so accustomed to punch the last team, last man standing rules. Sure. But anyway, uh, I did want to ask, but what kind of funky music did the faces come out to on the WWE network? It was
0: super weird. I'm assuming they came out to Iron Man in real life, but the the what they came out to on the network was quite strange.
1: Yes. Then Jim Ross put over the barbed wire, <laughs> saying that he only saw barbed wire out on farms back in Oklahoma to <laughs> yeah. keep the animals on the farms. And these rustlers, these rustlers aren't animals. Yeah. Besides, animal from the Legion of Doom.
0: Yeah, an animal had a, a hockey mask on. And ho- I guess match. hawk,
1: since hawk is an animal too. So. <laughs> Just saying.
0: True. True. If you want to go
1: literally, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you, and now and you noticed the the goalie mask on Animal too, yeah?
1: Yes, because yeah, cause he had like a a real bone injury or
0: something like that. Yeah. Now the angle to set that up is one of the better ones that I can remember. Probably the best thing that the powers of pain have ever done. It was this like bench press challenge between the two teams, and they they hit him with the bench press bar and the plate. So that that was how he got hurt.
1: To answer one of the questions from the intro, once again, <laughs> if you want to hear about the that angle, check out the Old School Wrestling Podcast.
0: Oh, I thought you were teasing me about going into the rant. I'm sorry. You no, know,
1: Well, that too, I guess. <laughs> you and I are answering your questions from the, show. From the intro. Yeah, that, yes. that uh, Black Cat and Dre from yeah, FlourChop.com, or I think also OldSchoolWrestlingPodcast.com, how they... Yeah. I don't know how many episodes ago, but they did review a long time that, ago that that, that that angle.
0: Yeah, and it's a good one. Yeah,
1: yeah. so if you guys want to kind of know more about that angle, go and listen to their show. Good stuff. Right. They're, yep. they're a good podcast, Tag Team. <laughs> okay, so. You want to talk about this match? Because I really didn't take any notes now.
0: Yeah, I can put a little bit. I liked the first Hawk really. Hawk starts out really quick with a really nice standing drop kick that I noticed. Um,. And then I just wrote that this was just a really crazy free-for-all, just all over. It's really, um, and, it's, and it's, I don't know, I wasn't super jazzed on this match because because of the barbed wire, they're very kind of, I guess, like kind of claustrophobic. They're kind of tight. They're in the ring. They're not going to be going uh, really outside of it. And with six guys in the ring, it kind of gets a little tight.
1: Too much of a cluster, muck.
0: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So there isn't a lot that can be done. I did notice that there was a uh, um flip flop and fly action from Dusty, which is uh, you know, always good. Vintage Dusty Rose. Yeah, yeah. And um Yeah, Barbarian came off the top rope, uh missed his target, ended up hitting his own partner, and uh, you know, hot covered for the wind.
1: Yeah, the winners were Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors, and I right read this match three fourths of a star.
0: Yeah, I didn't go much higher. I went uh, star and three fourths. Star. Cause, yeah, because
1: I, I thought it was an okay Klawer brawl. I guess kind of like with uh, the the tag team title match that we reviewed. That I I thought that match was better than this match because at least there that brawl went outside the ring and told more of a story than this match did. Sure. Yeah. Because I felt like the, I think this was probably the shortest match of the night, but I also felt like this was this felt the longest match of the night.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, at, I don't know at, about at that, least, but it, was, it wasn't good.
1: At least this match felt like it dragged a lot. Yeah. At least compared to what we will see in the main event, which was the longest match of the night, I felt like this match felt like it went longer than that match.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. I'd go with you on that one.
1: Okay, yeah. Then the powers of pain took off animal's mask and tried to take his eye. Mm-hmm. And yep, this, the woe. Yeah, ran in and saved him.
0: Yep, with with the chain, uh, with Ivan's chain, he he fought them off.
1: Oh, because I know I kind of want to talk to you about this. I know I, I'm sure you noticed this too, but for the bumpers for the clash of champions of one, what reminded me a lot of WCCW TV shows.
0: Right.
1: How they at least advertise what we'll be seeing coming back mm-hmm. from the break. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts about that?
0: Well, uh, yeah. Other than making the the tape of this on the network a lot longer than it would be, um, they, I think they probably served a a better purpose when there were commercials. But I like it. I think it's a good thing to to tell you what's coming up next and and whatnot. Well,
1: spe- well I guess especially if you didn't order the. Order to the WrestleMania 4 and all that, I guess I'll give you a chance to, like, okay, you know what's coming next. Let's rip and go to the bathroom and do whatever else. Right. Then, yeah, we come back from a commercial, and Shavati and Jim Ross put over over their TV show NWA main event. Yep. That's, I guess, be a new weekly show that NWA is putting on. Yep. Which I find to be kind of funny because... I know I I don't think we, we talked about it on Nitro one, but I know on the couple episodes of Nitro after the first episode that we, that we reviewed last week, I know Nitro put over WCW main event. Mm-hmm. So I know I just find that funny how that show is still around, you know back you know like in '95 and all that. Right. It really
0: changed kind of format over time. When it first started, it would usually be. Yeah, you'd probably get your best wrestling of the week on main event. Um, that's where you're going to get your longer matches. If you're going to see a flare match, you're probably going to see it on main event. Um, all that kind of stuff. That That's kind of what they used main event for at the time. Now, by 95, that wasn't going to be the case, but.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, we have two more title matches left. We go back to Bob Connell with a new look looking Nikita Koloff
0: hmm He's got hair.
1: Yes, and I guess Nikita... And he has a polster with him, too. <laughs> and Nikita Koloff was saying that he's been talking to young people about not doing drugs. Right, right. And he says he doesn't need a belt to, to be a champion.
0: Now, do you care for any backstory on this? Please. <laughs> you know i got it please so please answer that question Beverly yeah Lewis. i know i know i, I asked to myself so <laughs> the re- the reason nikita koloff's got the hair the reason he's doing doing the whole no drugs thing is uh so kind of sad his wife was dying at, at the day. time she had she had cancer and um he kind of uh started a, a whole new kind of look outlook on life he um you can see he was not as ripped. Uh, he, I think, he kind of got off the steroids and kind of went on a uh, kind of a public, you know, no drug um, kind of stance at the time. So that's that's kind of what, what he was he was doing there. So
1: I did want to also ask you about what's your thoughts on on. Um, the, how the layout of, the, of this card how its so like we okay. had a match a commercial an uh, interview a commercial a match
0: uh, i th- I think it's fine I think um when you uh look at how how much commercial time you need per hour, I think structuring it like this works well um so you don't have. As many interruptions during the actual matches.
1: Yeah, because I I, cause I did like well I don't know with the other uh, network they took the commercials out. I do feel like with match you know match interview match interview that helped digest what we just watched and it also helped digest the interviews.
0: Sure, and if you're gonna do just what, how many matches do we have? Five.
1: Yeah, uh, I think five. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if you're going to do five matches in a two-hour span, that means you're going to have some longer ones. So you're going to need to break up those matches, too, or yeah, else it's just going to get too much.
1: I did want to ask you about this. I know on the network it was, I think, a tad under two hours, I think right around an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Do you know how long the uh, this actual Class in Champions ran?
0: I, I really don't, which is it's kind of weird because, like, usually we see – um with the one hour shows they're about forty-four. Yeah. Right? So that would be if you in a two hour span like that SmackDown we watched, that was only just an hour and
1: twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, just an hour twenty. So hour fifty, maybe you're looking at two and a half hours. Sorry, live time.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just wondering about that during the show because I know, you know WrestleMania four, that was Seemed forever, but I think that show was like between three and four hours long.
0: Yeah, that was a long one.
1: So I kind of assume that this paper, this Clash of Champions would have been maybe, maybe at most three hours long. Uh, yeah, which, maybe. Which, I, which I feel like would be, probably under that. Which I feel like felt like could be stretching it because over hour hour commercials would, you know, compared to our commercials, to about two hours of us and that would heard it a lot but especially with what the main event is they didn't take any commercials during the main event
0: yeah well and i think i don't know i mean there's always the possibility that um since you know ted turner owned the station they were on and he was always a big supporter of wrestling even before he owned the company that he maybe let them play a little fast and loose with the normal Timing rules, Makes like sense. on
1: commercials. Makes sense. But yeah, I guess we might also well go into the next match, the right. NAA World yeah. Tag Team Championship, which I noticed this was a 30-minute time limit match.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it went, went nowhere to that time limit. Right. It was Barry Windham and Lux Luger against AA Arn Anderson and Tilly Blanchard, who were the Take Team Champions, and they were with James J. Dillon.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, they were.
1: And my first note of this was, holy moly, Lex Luger (laughs) and Barry Wooden were in bright red and blue tights, respectively. (laughs) Right. Yes, they were. And I wanted to ask you about how I feel like it's sad that the Challengers already had an entrance when the Champions were in the ring. Okay. Do you know why the champions were jobbed out to that <laughs> commercial?
0: I don't know. Uh, I think just, uh, I don't, it was kind of weird who got entrances and who didn't on this one. What, I'm not sure the reasoning.
1: When was Double when was A and Tully going to WWF? Um, I don't know. Do you remember I mean, when they were in the WWF?
0: Yeah, I've seen i seen some stuff with them.
1: Because w- it, it was about a year or two after this, wasn't it? Uh, I don't think it was even um,
0: too heck of a lot longer than that. Okay, because
1: I know they were there before Ric Flair was. Oh, yeah. And Ric Flair was there in 91, so I, guess, I was just kind of wondering if the reason why Anderson and Blanchard didn't get a... Entrance was because of there was possibly some contract disputes around this time, leading up to them leaving NWA, and jumping to WWF.
0: Yeah, it seems it seems like they went to um, WWF in September of this year, of '88.
1: Okay. okay, so not much longer than so a few months, about six few, months few after months later. This yep. show. Kind of. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that with, because I know it was not much longer than. Well, we not then this. Then they went to WWF, and with them not getting an entrance, I was kind of wondering if this was right on the time that was with their disputes what led them to leave. Sure. So yeah, we might as well get into this. Well, they
0: won the they won the tag titles one more time before they left. Okay.
1: Yeah, so we might as well get into this match that okay. Luger and Tully start out a match with a collar and elbow tie up. Okay. And then Flexy Lexi showed off his strength by pushing the little Tully down and the, little,
0: the Really, the little Tully? Yes. I don't know if I'd go with that, but...
1: Whatever. <laughs> then Luger put Tully in a torture rack right away, and Double A came in and chop-blocked him.
0: Yeah, I like that one. That he,
1: he almost
0: got him right away.
1: Then the champion's... We're doing a lot of quick tags, keeping each other fresh while beating down Sexy Lexi. Right. Then Barry put Tully in a sleeper hold and the fans popped for it. Yeah. Then Tully grabbed the ropes for the break and they both rolled out of the. Oh, yeah, they both rolled out of the ring and Barry kept on the sleeper hold. Yeah, I thought that was
0: cool. That was, yeah. that was an interesting move, something you don't see a lot. I like that spot. Yep, I did too.
1: Before, you know, that that spot made, made me remember how during this time they did not have Matt outside the ring. Yeah. I feel like with that spot, that could have ended pretty gruesome. <laughs> sure. At least both guys rode outside the ring, kind of head first, holding you know one guy put on a choke hold on the other guy. Fuck, like that could have ended kind of awkwardly.
0: Yeah. Well, it definitely could have.
1: But anyway, then, yeah, I, my next note was Double A hit a beautiful DDT on Barry, only getting a two-count. Then Double A sent him to the ropes, hit a beautiful spinebuster, only getting another two-count.
0: Yeah? Double a- oh, I really liked that spinebuster. I thought that spinebuster looked tremendous.
1: Yes. And I just think it's said how that was two of Double A's top moves, and they both weren't able to keep Barry down.
0: Yeah, well, Barry, Barry doesn't give up, man.
1: Now, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the pace of this match so far.
0: Um, you know, it it started off really quick, and then it kind of slowed down during the, the control part, but um, I don't know. I didn't find anything wrong with it. How about
1: you? I felt like this match was felt like is pretty quick compared to the last few matches that we that we've seen. yeah, I you know, I think
0: on the whole, uh this whole card is uh pretty quickly paced and I and I kind of, I, I like that.
1: Definitely. Then, then uh Tully hit a slingshot suplex only getting a two count. I wanna get your thoughts on Tully's slingshot suplex.
0: Uh you know I never loved the slingshot suplex as, like, a big move. But, ugh, Why don't you like it you as know, a big move?
1: I just doesn't look
0: powerful, I guess. it's Sorry. All it is is just bouncing your guy off the ropes.
1: I can see that, yeah.
0: But, you know.
1: Okay, then, Yes, yeah, so, yeah, totally hit the slingshot suplex, got a two count. The fans seemed to pop and jump to their feet for that two count. Barry well, was able to get a Tag Tag out and got Luger in, and Luger came in as a house of fire. Yep. Yes, he did. Then you want to take the ending of the match. Okay. So, uh,
0: JJ got up on the apron uh, with a chair, um, hoping that uh, one of the faces would be thrown into it, but uh, Arn is instead thrown into it, and he is rolled up and uh, pinned, and we have new champions.
1: Barry Wendam and Sexy Lexi Luger are the new yep. World take Team Champions. I <laughs> gave this match two and three eighths of a star.
0: I gave this match four stars.
1: I thought about bumping it up, but I I guess I'm too lazy to. To
0: to your own, but, but I, I thought I, I thought this was a great match.
1: I felt like this match was pretty quick paced, and I wonder how much I wonder how this match would be if they had more time and they were able to do every spot but slow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I feel like this match being less than 10 minutes and Luger being known for not being a great worker, I thought like this match was still pretty darn good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I also want to ask you about the celebration that Barry and Lex did after this match, after they won the titles.
0: Yeah, they were... They were very
1: very excited. So were the fans, and well, the fans that, loved it. That I thought, like, you know, this match is. You know what? I'm gonna change my ratings right now.
0: Okay, okay, where are you gonna go with it?
1: I am giving this. I'm bumping this up five ace more stars. To okay, a so you go three. A three okay, cool. star match because the fans. Because I thought, like, like you said, this match was a pretty good match. And the celebration with the fans and Lux and Barry made this match that much better. Nice. The baby pieces were put this over like they won the Super Bowl, that they won the World Series, they won the world title at WrestleMania, Jack. <laughs> and the fans were extremely excited to see their heroes finally beat the villains. Sure. So good job, guys. Yeah, it was good. Then we are introduced to the judges for the main event of the night. And the time limit is 45 minutes. Beverly Hills, please tell me. Well, I guess I want to talk about this first, first person Sandy Scott. Okay. According to the thing Bob on the screen, who, you know, with his name, I, it, did I write this down correctly? That he is a former NWA wrestling star pet? <laughs> he's he's not. You were, that's that's why I wrote yeah. down that I swore
0: that that was on the screen. You put you put together two of the people. Okay. You you. <laughs> this makes me very happy. No. <laughs> I am happy that you're happy. No. See. <laughs> Sandy Scott is a former NWA star. Patty Mullins was the pet of the
1: year. (laughs) That that explains a lot. Oh my god, I love you put those together. (laughs) I swear that's what the screen told me, that Sandy Scott was a former (laughs) NWA wrestling star pet. (laughs) Oh my god. I was wondering, what is a wrestling star pet? (laughs)
0: I'm sure Sandy Scott would too, because I don't know what that is. Oh my god, Dirty Dog.
1: With a tear (laughs) in my eye. This has to be the funniest moment of the night.
0: (laughs) Wrestling star Pat.
1: (laughs) Can't tell us who. Okay, anyways. Who is Sandy Scott?
0: Sandy Scott's a former wrestler, but he also just worked in the. NWA office, so that's why they they just kind of roll them out for that. Who is the,
1: the judge? Who is Patty Mullen? She would be the pet of the year. Oh, so is she a former NWA wrestling star pet?
0: Nope, just a pet.
1: No, nope. she. Uh, you may want to cover
0: your ears, but she she took her clothes off for a living. Oh. <laughs> that, that,
1: that explains a lot, then,
0: and and that and she gained stardom for that. So, so that that is what why she was there.
1: Okay, riddle me this. Okay, riddle me that. Who's afraid who?
0: of the big black bat? Yes. Okay.
1: No, who? I, sorry, I was watching the whole Hogan promo last night before I went to bed.
0: Oh, okay, got it.
1: Who is prettier in your eyes, Patty Mullen? Or Cindy, what's her name from the SmackDown episode that we covered a few weeks back?
0: No comment.
1: I like that answer. <laughs> then we go to the next judge, Jason Hervey.
0: Okay, so you got to be aware of Jason Hervey, right? I, I,
1: because he was a, I, for some reason I'm drawing a blank of what TV show he was a star of.
0: The Wonder Years.
1: Okay. Because he, what character did he play in that show?
0: The Brother Wayne, that was his name.
1: Okay. I know, he's like a,
0: hes just kind of a turd. He was like a bully.
1: ex I do remember—I do know that him, that him and Bischoff became good friends, and not only they now own their own like TV production company. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Then uh, Ken Osmond or whatever.
0: Yep, Ken Osmond. Ken, yep. what's his
1: name? Yeah, tell us about him.
0: I don't. We kind well, of talked about him. We, a we, bit. Yeah, we talked about him. He was the—he um, was on Leave It to Beaver, and then the new Leave It to Beaver. So yep. Yeah. And, then there and, was, then there was one more, oh yeah Gary jester too
1: okay I say I only got those four guys, but yeah, tell us about this fifth judge yeah gary jester he was he
0: was involved with like the Baltimore arena um and then after that just got involved kind of kind of like in wrestling promoting too, and he's he's still uh to this day helps ring of honor with promotions in the <laughs> in the Baltimore area too.
1: Okay, since this match is a forty five minute time limit okay. and looking at the clock right now, if we talk about this match for forty five minutes, we would go the we would run the length of the first class of the champions on the net.
0: Yeah, yes we would.
1: So because of this match being a forty five minute time limit match and it being for the National Wrestle Alliance world heavyweight championship. I want to uh Crack a can one. of World Heavyweight Championship Main Event Level Soda.
0: Sweet, sweet, sweet Mountain Dew.
1: To tie in with a Mountain Dew throwback that I was been drinking for the podcast. Whoa. And a 16 ounce can of Cherry 7 Up. I'm drinking <laughs> Mellow woo, Yellow. 16 ounce can
0: of cherry 7 up. That's a new one. Hey, see? i see it it's
1: tall boy it's beautiful it's tall boy i beautiful. i usually get a can of cherry 7 up o- 16 ounce can for work during the week
0: oh nice
1: and for the podcast knowing that this is gonna be a long one i wanted to drink a can of that <laughs> and i knew that th- i had a feeling this we were gonna go pretty long in this podcast so i want to bring some extra caffeine and some liquids to uh stay awake for this match and for nice. this card good stuff i just uh, took a swig for the working man <laughs> a swig of Miller yolo for the podcasting man take that stone cold steve austin oh jeez <clears throat> so i also wanted to talk to you but before we get into this match this is the second podcast in a row that we talk about staying versus rick flair for a title okay how excited are you to talk about Steen versus Ric Flair for a second podcast in a row? Um,
0: it's, this one's probably better, definitely. It's, uh, but it's fun; it's good stuff.
1: And I also, you know, I know this is also like a, what this is what, our second, or third Ric Flair match that we covered so far.
0: Uh, third, third, yeah. It's at least third, yeah.
1: Yeah, because best perfect Flair match, the other Steen Flair match, and this match. I know with WWE just released the best of Stain three-disc set within the last few weeks. Okay. And I bought that last night at Walmart. I haven't watched it yet, but I wanted to talk to you about what's your thoughts on Sting?
0: Um, my thoughts on Sting in 1988 or just in general? In 88 and in general. Um... Well, in 88 he's definitely raw he's not you know uh you know polished by any means but um yes I, I gosh in general I really like Sting I think um he's he's got his limitations but I think on the whole um he's got a lot of good stuff to him he really knows how to get the uh fans into it he's got a ton of intensity and um you know, excitement in the way he wrestles um and uh, yeah so i think on the on the way you know on the whole i i like him how well, are you beverly What's Are up? you
1: are you going through a wind tunnel a wind tunnel i'm not because because your explanation of staying and kind of sounded like you were
0: Oh sorry buddy
1: it sounds like you were coming in and out and it sounded like you were going through a wood tunnel
0: oh I'm sorry
1: and your audio quality was kind of going back and forth too
0: oh well I apologize for that can you no, hear me now
1: yeah you, know, you No, it sounds like you went through another wood tunnel
0: oh no I'll but, be I'll be very still for you
1: well I just was just curious if you were walking outside or something no no just just sitting yeah. down but <clears throat> to answer your question about stan I feel like he I feel like he's a good wrestler. Uh, I feel like well, I'll talk more about it in this match. But I feel like because of this match, Steam got catapulted to main event status star. Yes. And I feel like you know he, he has potential to become a good wrestler at this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, you know, to what his career would be. I feel like he did become one of the better professional wrestlers. Do I say he's the greatest? I don't know about that, but I do feel like depending on who he is in the ring with, he can be put, or he can depending on who he's in the ring with, he can be he can put on a great match. You know, you know, with his match with Cactus Jack back in the day, I think in ninety three ish, I thought those were good matches. You know, against uh, Flair, against Vader against Hogan, and then he said, I guess that match kind of sucked from Starkid, but I guess depending on who he's in the ring with, he could be, he could have a great match with, depending on who he's with. What's your thoughts, Beverly? Beverly? Okay, we're back. We got Beverly again, uh, I guess there was some connection error about that, I guess uh the internet does not like us talking about sting beverly
0: <laughs> well that's okay we We'll talk with sting whether they stock talk, talk about sting whether they like it or not.
1: Uh, the internet will not hold us back, Jack. <laughs> you got that right and that is the game plan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, back to the awesome catchphrase. Okay. But that is the game plan. We
1: are pushing hour and fifteen minutes, Beverly, and we have not touched the main event match yet. <laughs> okay. Okay, I know I I know how it's like you didn't take that many notes of this match, so I'll talk about the different spots and I'll let you add in adding your thoughts into it. And I wanna say I broke this notes up in the five minute increments. Oh, okay, sounds good. Because uh Ring announcer, how he kicked on saying, "You know, five minutes have gone by, five minutes," and all that. So I wrote that in to kind of break up, because how they pace the match up a little bit.
0: Sure, sounds good.
1: I wanted to ask you about what's the, the music that Sting came out to.
0: Yeah, I don't know what he came out to in the original cut. I think this was another uh, dub over oh, action
1: because I did say it sounded like it was a WWE Network redub. Yep, sure. I sure think so. And can I ask, like Flair's theme song was re a little bit too? Um, maybe.
0: I I do
1: not know the answer to that one. Okay, <laughs> I do want to ask you about Ric Flair's beautiful white robe for the evening.
0: I like that white one. St. I no, I can't remember. Was it with the white and purple one or the white and blue one?
1: All I wrote down was the white robe.
0: Okay, yeah, it, it's, both of those are two of my favorites, so...
1: Yeah, so I, yeah I did write down the Flair's robo was absolutely stunning for the night.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: Then, uh, yeah, J.J. Dylan was locked in a shark cage. Right. Do you know why he was locked in a shark cage for the match?
0: I, I just think the constant interference in uh, Flair's matches would lead to the, the shark cage.
1: Makes sense, and how he'd be locked in there for as long as the match is, which I had to say sucks to be him. I would agree because it looked like you were shaking around. Yeah. So Flair was in purple trunks. Flair was in black.
0: Yep. Sting was in black. Yeah. Sting was in black with red boots.
1: No, we know so starting start the match. Yeah. Yep. I thought like the match started out with a beautiful chain wrestling exchange yep. between champion and challenger.
0: Yeah, and I mean when you go when you know that you're going to go 45 or whatever, you can really. Um, you know, do a lot of different things because you're going to have a lot of different segments. So, yeah, I liked the uh, the initial kind of back and forth uh, network section that they that they go into.
1: And both guys try a test of strength and Steam gain the advantage. Okay. And Flair yells in pain. <laughs> yes. Then he ran outside of the ring to recoup. Yep. Then uh, my next note was Flair hit a beautiful flying head scissors.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty good
1: one. I don't ever recall Steen hitting the flying head scissors. Yeah, he kinda stays grounded,
0: but he's you know, he's known to kinda go go a little up up in the air.
1: Beverly Hills. What's up? Five minutes have gone by. Okay, got it. Five minutes. So we got forty minutes left of the match. Nice. That's if we go to the time limit. Okay, Tony, Tony Schiavone tells us there are some standby matches, if in case this, <laughs> this match ends before the program ends.
0: I know, which, yeah, some really high-quality main event matches. only thing I wrote down was,
1: I didn't catch what you said, but only thing I remember was the Western States title will be up for grabs if there's any extra time.
0: Yeah, it was, oh, shoot, now I wish you would have. It was Larry Zabisco against... Somebody for the Western States title. Um, I
1: do not remember the Western States title at
0: all. Yeah, that was one that that. Uh, yeah, Larry Zabisco had it for a long time. Um, yeah, Western States Heritage title, and well, then if after that there was a Ricky Santana match too.
1: Was was a Western States title from the UWF yeah, when they merged? Yes, okay. it was. That explains <laughs> it, then.
0: Yes, it was. And then,
1: uh, Steen had Flair in a side headlock on the mat, and it seemed like kind of was a rest hold.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you can call it that, or you can call it a slowing down the match. Or you can call it taking time. You know, whatever you whatever you want to call it, you can go for it there.
1: Yeah, then Flair tried to roll it over for a pin, only getting a two count. And then Steen rolled it back into a side headlock.
0: Yep, and he was using the trunks to roll it over into those
1: attempts. Then, yeah, Steen brought both guys back to their feet, and Flair sent him to the rope, and Flair dropped onto the mat, and Steen drops back down and puts the side headlock back onto Flair. Mm-hmm. Kind of outthinking the thinking man's wrestler. Oh, you got it. Thinking, thinking. Then uh, I guess Flair didn't think about it too much. Yeah. I guess Steen overthought Ric Flair. Oh, then uh, Sting did some punches to the forehead and punted to uh, in the corner and punted to Dylan.
0: Okay.
1: Then uh, after the punches to the forehead, uh, Sting brought Flair back onto the mat and put him in another side headlock. Yeah, a lot of a lot of
0: side headlock action going on. Yeah,
1: then Flair tried to roll it over several times several times for a pin, but Sting did not even let a one count happen.
0: Yeah, I. You know, and I think you, you can you know, get into some boring action with the uh the side headlock stuff, but I I thought both of these guys did a good enough job uh you know working those into pinning combinations, trying trying to do some other stuff rather than just grinding on the headlock. So I I thought they did good work with that with that hold.
1: Beverly Hills. What's up? 10 minutes have gone by.
0: Oh, very good, okay. 10 minutes.
1: Got it. Then Steen hit a beautiful gorilla press slam. Okay. After they had an exchange at the corner of the ring. Then after that, Steen slapped on a bear hug on the champion, slapping on the pain to the lower back of the nature boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he worked this, this bear hug a long time.
1: Yes. So, yeah, champion tried to grab for the ropes for the rope break, but Steen is in the middle of the two, causing Flair to have a tougher time trying to grab their ropes. Yeah. Then, yeah. Steam brought the bear down to the mat, which made it harder for Flair to try to grab the ropes. Yes. Beverly, what's up? Fifteen minutes have gone by. Okay. Fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay. F- Flair right. yells out that he's in a lot of pain. His lower <laughs> back hurts a lot.
0: Did he literally say, "I'm in a lot of pain"? My lower <laughs> back hurts a lot. He, I would love it if he did.
1: He yelled, "Dirty dog." My back <laughs> isn't a lot of pain. Ooh. I wish. Awesome. <laughs> That's. I highly don't flare. Back in March of '88, knew that Beverly Hills and that Dirty Dog would review this in
0: 2014. Okay, well, I would agree with you, but you know. Anyway, Steve, I was a little, I was a little baby. I was 14 months old.
1: I would have been uh, less than one month old. Oh. I This was, what, was 27th? Uh, I know you were just born 20 days ago. Because <laughs> this old was... Brother. This, well, this was on the 27th, so I would have been born 17 days before. Oh, yes, yes. So oh. I would have been a young, oh, Dorothy, dirty, dirty dog. You're almost three months old. Three months? Three weeks. Three weeks. I'm sorry. I'm high <laughs> on cocaine. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Steen let go of the bear hug, taunts the crowd, woo, and runs the ropes and two, try to el- hit an elbow on Flair, and Flair rolled out of the way. Or rolls, yeah, rolls out, then Steen tries to chase him, but Flair was one step ahead of him. Okay. Both men went outside to brawl a little bit. Flair Irish whipped Steen into the guardrail a few times. Unlike their match in '95, I'm happiest didn't bounce off the guardrail like it was ropes.
0: <laughs> that's always that's always a spot that, you know, um, where the suspension of disbelief gets too much.
1: Yes, it, it still makes me laugh.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you, Ric
1: Flair. But yeah, whereas, no, you, I'm, whereas you really shouldn't bounce off
0: ropes, but they do. Yeah. Um, you really, really shouldn't bounce off guardrails.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Flair whipped to Irish with Sting in the guardrail a few times then rolled in the ring leaving Steen outside in a lot of pain with his lower back. Then once Sting got into the match or, yeah, he got, well, got back into the match, slowed the pace down a lot, wooing at the fans causing, oh, Flair wooed at the fans causing yep. them to boo at him. Yeah. Then Sting, then Flair sent Sting into the corner with the Irish whip a few times causing him to, uh, short-breath okay let's see oh and my next note is Beverly Hills <laughs> what's up <laughs> 20 minutes have passed okay cool. 20 minutes and my next note is this match being 20 minutes doesn't seem as long as the other matches
0: I think it was it was extremely well paced oh yes. Yeah. yes it was
1: and yeah, Flair hit a few knee drops and sentenced it outside the rim Okay. Where he he, I want to see if you remember the spot when Flair went over to grab a chair, and I swear Tommy Young jumped to the ring apron and pretty much body blocked the the chair.
0: I love it when he does that.
1: <laughs> I I wasn't paying that much attention to the spot, and I, I had to pause it because I swore it looked like at first Tommy Young ran on the apron, then Prince jumped in midair and like body you know hit a cross running across was- body on the chair.
0: It was very similar to that other one. Did we watch one where Earl Hebner did a, like a flying crossbody to a chair?
1: Something like that, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it was a Flair perfect match. Oh,
0: maybe Flair was like Earl. Yeah,
1: Earl Tommy Young used to do a great
0: move where he crossbody back to chair. I want you to do it too,
1: brother. Ooh. Yeah, uh, well, I'll move for you, Rick. That made me laugh. <laughs> Talk about Tommy Young. He was a guest on the Jimmy Corner experience. <laughs> nice. To answer again one of the questions from from the intro of this, of this podcast. let uh, see, so a yeah, flare went over to Sting to whip him back to the reel again, working on his lower back some more. Then the stainer started to hulk up. Sting was about to get stung when he started to hulk up after being chopped a few times.
0: Yeah. oh yeah yep he he got stung again
1: yes Then both guys went out, went to the outside of the ring and Flair Sting set up Flair to be or to the ring post to try to splash him and Flair moved out of the way
0: right
1: see then Flair tried to crawl out of the ring Sting caught him threw pucks him back into the ring Sting went for the scorpion death lock and, and locked it in and Flair was underneath the ropes which caused a rope break
0: yes it would
1: Beverly Hills. What's up? <laughs> Twenty-five minutes have passed.
0: Nice. We are more than halfway done.
1: Twenty-five that minutes.
0: happy.
1: Then Stan went for a for a pen attempt with Flair's foot underneath the rope, which the referee didn't see it. Okay. And there was a two count, and Flair put his foot on the bottom rope. Even the announcers called out that called that out and called Tommy Young out about that. <laughs> I guess Tommy Young wasn't paying that much of attention.
0: Yeah, sure just like that.
1: I'm happy the announcers even mentioned that that Tommy Young did not wasn't paying that close of attention to where Flair's feet were. <laughs> then Steen hit a flying crossbody on the top rope and went for a pin, only got a two count. See, that move took both men, oh, most of the way across the ring, which I thought was pretty cool. Okay. Then after the pin attempt, Flair went for a shin breaker.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Let's see. My next note was after both men got up, Flair kicked the back of the knee, sending Steen back to the mat, letting Flair catch his breath. Then after that, for minutes, Flair worked on Steen's leg, warming yep. it up for the figure four leg lock. Yes, he did. Beverly Hills. What's up? Three minutes have passed. Okay. Three minutes. Thanks. Flair grabbed a leg, yelled mm-hmm. out, Woo <laughs> slapped on the figure four leg lock. And a vintage Flair moment, he kept on grabbing the ropes behind the referee's back for leverage. Oh, classic. Then, you know, for a few times, Sting's shoulders were on the mat. The referee counted them down, only getting a two count. Sure. <laughs> then, then Sting brought both men to the middle of the ring, so Flair couldn't use the ropes anymore. And uh, he was successful on turning the figure four over to the cheaters of the fans.
0: Yes. Well, they always love that kind of stuff.
1: Then uh, Flair tried to suplex into to the outside, and the rough stepped on the outside to try to stop Flair to doing that. And thankfully for Tommy Young, Sting countered the suplex, and suplexed Flair back into the ring. Yep. And after being sent to the rope, Sting countered whatever Flair was going to do and slapped on the abdominal stretch. And Tommy Young went over to, to see if Flair wanted to quit. Beverly Hills. What's up? 35 minutes have passed. <laughs> 35 minutes. And Flair tried to go to the top to do a move off the top rope again. And Sting caught him and threw him down to the mat And try to cover him. Only getting a two count. Two count. Steen brought Flair over to the corner of the ring and uh, crashed him with the that turnbuckle, the the post. Yep. Moments later, Steen slapped on Flair's figure four on him. Steen yelled out to the referee, "Ask him! Ask him! Ask him!" Which made me think about Chris Jericho.
0: Oh yeah, he loves the ask him
1: calls yeah see if flair was able to get to the ropes for a rope break
0: yeah
1: then i i was scratched my head when stin went over to the ropes and yelled to the crowd you know how to party or what (laughs) (laughs) what does that even mean who said that Steen. you stin yelled that out He asked the, he told the crowd that they know how to party or what. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. Afterwards, Stina was working on Flair's legs, making sure Flair's legs stayed weak.
0: I'm still, I'm still caught up on do you know how to party or what?
1: Beverly Hills. What's up? <laughs> 40 minutes have passed. Awesome. 40 minutes of this party. <laughs> beverly hills i want to want to know if you know how to party or what
0: <laughs> i was hoping you'd ask me oh i sure know how to party do you know how to party or what
1: yeah i will show you next week at your wedding that i know for it's sure two how to weeks party. from now i
0: hope you don't show up next week beverly
1: remember <laughs> this 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 is a drop the weekend before your wedding homeboy. boy oh sorry <laughs> Don't well, I guess. Yes, fans. I yes, yes, I
0: fans. Oh my god, I, I deserve to get kicked
1: off for this. Yes, fans, we are recording this the weekend before it drops. Oh my god, gosh, I'm such an idiot! Cheese, Louise Beverly Hills. What's up next weekend? I will show you how to party.
0: Okay, thank you. Yes, next weekend I will see you partying.
1: Yes, ha, woo, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so we have five minutes left this match. Okay. F- Flair tried to hit a sunset flip and Sting countered by punching Flair to the face.
0: Right, and I like that they're all, they really get pumped up and those last five minutes, they really try to take it take it to the limit.
1: Yeah, Sting got Flair into the corner and hit punches to the face, which Jim Ross hates, as discussed yeah. on the podcast last week. Whatever. Then Flair had no luck, Sting punched Flair and covered Flair for a two count because Flair got his foot on the bottom rope. Mm-hmm. Steen went for a stinner splash. Flair moved and Steen mm-hmm. hit the pole and flew outside the ring and went down to the concrete. Right. Which I wish there was mats because that would have been a hard fall. And uh, Flair slapped on the sleeper hole and Steen went uh sent him face first into the top turnbuckle. Let's see, then yep. uh Steen tried to sunset flip of his own and Slayer uh, Flair sat on him with the hands to the rope on the ropes <laughs> and Tommy Young kicked him Kits his arms, causing him to uh, get rolled up for a two count. Then Flair flew off the top rope, hit a cross body, surprisingly enough. Stan rolled through with it, only got a two count, and Stan started to hook up again. <laughs> he got stung. And Beverly Hills. What's up? 44 minutes have passed. Okay. 44. Got it. And then with the last thirty seconds of the match, Stan slapped on the Scorpion Deathlock. Okay. Now we had the countdown. From ten to zero. And the match came to be a draw.
0: Yes. Well we're going to not yet is it a draw. We're going to the judges.
1: We went to we went Broadway. We went to we went the full forty five minutes. Now it's up to the judges. Yes. So... You're going
0: to have to tell me who, what
1: they all said. Okay. We go to a commercial break, giving the judges some more time to think about what, who the winner is. Right. And you know how at the beginning of the match we said we have five judges, right? Yeah. The results came back from three judges. Okay. <laughs> okay. My theory is that Judge 1 and the Mystery 1 that fell off voted for Flair... <laughs> Judge okay. 2 in the other mystery the judge that fell off the face of the earth <laughs> so picked, picked Stain. Earth. Okay. So, suppose it's two for two in my eyes, but it's actually one to one. Oh, okay. Judge 3 picked a draw. Yes.
0: Yeah, so was that not Patty Mullins? I don't remember.
1: But okay. I didn't take down who which judge did what. Okay. But Judge 1 picked Flair. Judge 2 picked Stein. Judge 3 picked Draw. Okay. Which means... It ends up a draw, meaning Ric Flair retains the title. Yes. My question now: Ask what the hell happened to the fourth and fifth judge?
0: <laughs> I don't know, man.
1: He disappeared. So this, so the winner is a draw. Both men win and both men lose.
0: Whatever. Yes, yes, they do. Ric
1: Flair retains the world heavyweight championship. Beverly Hills. I rated this match four and one half stars. Nice.
0: I voted this match four and one half stars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like this match didn't go. F- wasn't forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. I thought I was surprised when the time limit came up. I knew this was going to go into the time limit. I didn't realize that match was 45 minutes when when it ended. Yeah, I agree. I thought they they paced the match all greatly, and yeah, yeah, I thought like it was one of the best matches I've ever seen. I thought like it still holds up all these years later. Yeah, I agree. So then, yeah, then we go back to Tony Giovanni, Jim Ross, and Bob Connell. All three were standing together. Yeah. And they were talking about what happened on the card and they put over NWA main event once again that's gonna be debuting the I guess the next day on TBS.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Then we might as well talk about the jobber and the main event star for the match or for the card. Okay. I'll go first. Okay, do it. My jobber has to be the fourth and fifth judge. I <laughs> I'll judge. ask just again, what the hell happened to those two judges? I don't know. Yeah, how the hell do we go down from five judges to three? Disappeared. Disappeared. Which breaks my heart, Beverly. <laughs>
0: okay, my jobber is uh I think I'm gonna go with Dusty on this one.
1: Fair enough, fair
0: enough. I just you know, I just think that's the worst match on the card by far. And I mean, I guess I'm just gonna go with, you know, him. I think he was all over the show in the interview segments. He never addresses, you know, what happens, which is also kind of disappointing with him. You know, everybody else talks about it, but he doesn't, which I think is, like I said, a little disappointing. Um. So yeah, that's that's uh, my my over There is Dusty.
1: My main event set a star. For the night has to be the radiant n w a heavyweight champion of the world, the nature boy, Woo Rick Flair Good choice because I felt like because of this match that he had with Stan, he put Steen over as the next and newest main event star. Cool.
0: I I like that pick. I think I'm gonna go with Sting, just because you know up to this point in, you know, '88 he hasn't had a lot of challenges like this. And as much as you know, I want to give credit to Flair for pulling him along. I also want to give Sting credit for keeping up too.
1: Beverly. So, and I think it's just as important. Yes. Do we need a pause for you to get your top five list together? Sure. Yeah. Let's pause. Okay. Hold on a second. Fans, stand by. And we're back. Hi, guys. (laughs) That was pretty much uh, no time for you on us pausing. And guess what? It was like a few minutes. Whatever. (laughs) So, Beverly. Yes. Our top five for this episode I chose... Okay, which is why we had to pause for a little bit, but no, yep. no, no biggie. Yep. It's not like this is the first time that, you, that we paused today. <laughs> what The uh, uh, joys of live podcasting. Right. That, yeah. that actually isn't live. Yes. The top five is top five television main events slash moments we still remember. Okay. I picked that top five because of this main event. How it, it seems like this main event still nowadays gets talked about. Twenty six years later. Yeah. So I want so I thought why not do a top five list kind of split off of this forty five minute Broadway that we had with Ooh. Flair and Stan. Okay. I'll start out. My Go number on. five was a forgotten TLC match from SmackDown. Okay. It was the first show after Chris Benoit and Chris Shirk who won the world team team titles from Triple H and Stone Cold from the Raw were Triple H tour Squad. And in that TLC match, you had it was the first 14 TLC match where they had to defend the tag titles against the Dudleys, Edge, and Christian, and the Hardy Boys.
0: Okay.
1: I feel like it was a... Well, I, I don't know why this TLC match is pretty much a forgotten TLC match. It could be pretty much because I, uh, the Hardy Boys were on Takis Jericho a couple of weeks back, and they mentioned that... They pretty came up with this TLC match the day of the rec- when they recorded that SmackDown, so there's was no advertising, no build-up, no nothing to this to this TLC match. So I think that might be why it's one of the most big, one of the biggest main events on SmackDown that was forgotten about. Okay, but I still remember it happening because I remember Chris think diving off of a ladder from the ring to the outside doing a diving headbutt. I think I know somebody threw a table or something like that. Nice. Yeah, I just remember that that. TLC match happening live on TV. So what's your number five, Beverly?
0: Alright, so I kind of stuck with um, more moments, more kind of just the things that kind of popped up in my head when I thought of, like, TV stuff. So... My number five is uh, May Young giving birth to a hand. Oh gosh! <laughs> well, it was just one of those things that built it had been built up so long with uh, you know Mark Henry and the whole sexual chocolate thing. And I'm pregnant. May- yeah, exactly. I'm
1: not pregnant, but just saying.
0: Well, this is quite the way to tell me that that you're pregnant. I hope it's not mine.
1: Beverly Hills.
0: I'm <laughs> the daddy. but anyways i remember and this will make me sound lame because i was like in middle school but i had a bedtime and so i went to bed and uh the next day my mom was like i taped the rest of raw because may young gave birth and i was like to what you know what was it she goes a hand and i go what (laughs) so i watched it and i was even grossed out even more that's funny
1: my number four has to be a moment when I watch live I almost crap my pants
0: Oh oh my let's go,
1: to a hand. Let's, <laughs> let's go back to the year 2002 Beverly
0: okay
1: I'm sure you you remember this moment okay 2002 was a year where I moved from Malak in Minnesota after the day after my 8th grade year ended in Malacca High School. I moved back to Cambridge. I, you know, you went, you know, I was talking about last week in the episode. You know, I went back to Cambridge Senior High School. Yes, that summer Vince McMahon told us who the new raw general manager will be. And it was
0: Yeah, and it was Eric Bischoff.
1: <laughs> No no one ever thought the former WCW president would be on WWE TV okay. and be the authority head for the show he tried to run out of business. Right. Beverly. Yes. What's your thoughts on Eric Bischoff debuting on Monday Night Raw to Back in Black by ACDC?
0: It was pretty crazy. I I remember, um, yeah, being quite surprised when they came on, and then disappointed when they hugged.
1: Yes, because I was surprised. I still remember the moment when they hugged and like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Like, did World War Three just happen? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Beverly, what's your number four?
0: Uh, my number four is a match. The ending of a match, and I don't even know when this took place, but. It was the match between Brock Lesnar and Big Show that ended. On oh,
1: SmackDown.
0: Yep, it was on SmackDown. Yep, that ended with the the co suplex that exploded the ring.
1: Yeah, I I know for a fact that episode is on the WWE network.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So we so might
1: we sometime. might have to review that sometime.
0: Yeah, for sure
1: because that kind of ties with my number three That from a, is a match from a Raw that I want to review sometime, that I know for a fact is up on the network my number three is The Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy, the latter match for the Undisputed WWE Championship from the same summer that Eric Bischoff debuted
0: yeah that was a really good one, I liked, I liked that one a lot, I remember that happening I was like oh this is a good match
1: I was gonna say, do you? I felt like at that time that, well, with Jim Ross calling, it felt like there was a possibility that Jeff Hardy, at that time, was gonna win the WWE title. Uh,
0: I had, you know, it, that was one of the one of those times where, uh, you know, I was I was super convinced that, I, you know, going in my head was saying, no, there's no chance he'll win. But as time went on, I'm like, holy crap, you know, there's a very good chance that, you know, Hardy might walk out of here with the uh, with the championship. So it was it was pretty, pretty good job they did.
1: Do you feel like Jim Ross calling the action helped that match out?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. He did a great job.
1: Do you feel like there was any other play-by-play man that could have uh, called it any better than Jim Ross?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, there there are a few other ones who, who do... Uh, you know, great jobs doing that. Uh, Joy Styles always did a good job. I mean, if you ever watched that uh, Mikey Whipwreck match where he did win the title against Sandman, um, he, did, he did an awesome job there. Um,
1: yeah, there's some good ones. Okay, so I felt like maybe Tony Schiavone, when he, was, when he actually carried to put effort into it, I thought Tony Schiavone <laughs> probably, or if not Mike today, could have been a good other option. Sure, yeah. What's your number three, Beverly? Uh,
0: okay, my, th- my number three... Is uh, when Brock Lesnar threw Zach Gowen down the stairs.
1: <laughs> I I because that's silly. I laughed because I don't even
0: remember that. <laughs> oh gosh, you don't remember that? That's how they wrote him out of TV. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's how he he never showed up again after <laughs> Brock Lesnar threw him down the stairs. <laughs>
1: this may be so mean, but thank you, Brock Lesnar.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like that's a character that could work, um, you know, but just uh, it didn't. You know,
1: yeah. My number two, which it hasn't been on the network yet, but an episode once it does, I'll love to review.
0: Okay, what's that?
1: My number two has to be the first raw roulette from Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that was a, a good one.
1: I know there's another raw I want to do, which I expect this the first raw roulette to go up before the second raw roulette, which happened from Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember that because because uh, one of my, uh, I'll say this anyway, kind of hesitant, but whatever. One of my mom, the boyfriend that my mom had when we lived in Malacca was Mormon. Oh, okay. And was from Salt Lake City, Utah. And you know, we didn't talk about religion when we were growing up with them when those two were dating, but I just... I guess I kind of remember him bringing up Salt Lake City, Utah, and Salt Lake City is known for, I guess, the home of the birth of Mormonism. Yes. And if I remember correctly, during the second Raw Roulette, after this I'll talk about why I picked the first one, but at the second Raw Roulette, I remember, I think, Eric Bischoff and the coach were making jokes about Mormonism and Raw Roulette and all that. Sure. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny at that time, but then again, I was like, it was 2003. I would have been like 14, 15. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, the first Raw Roulette, I loved because it felt well. Eric Bischoff was, was a Raw general manager, and I thought like he brought back ways the WCW Halloween Havoc spin the wheel make the deal gimmick. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like it was a way a cool way to incorporate a WCW gimmick on WWE TV. And I just felt like it was cool to make a Raw stand a special additional raw standout and make it special by every match having a stipulation match and i think i can't remember which i think it may have been the second raw from salt lake city from the raw roulette where it was a tlc match where kane had to defend the world Take-10 Titles by himself because his partner hurricane Holmes got attacked before that before the match Okay. where Kane had to defend the team, team titles by himself in a four-way TLC match, and that match was picked to be the best Raw match for the 10th anniversary Raw show. Okay. So, yeah, I, I just remember the first... Yeah, I just feel like the Raw roulette concept was pretty cool. Nice. What's your number
0: yeah, two, Doug? really? My number three. My number two. Um, my number two is the um, confrontation between... Um, Steve Austin and Mike Tyson, uh, prior to WrestleMania, what would that be? Thirteen,
1: I believe. Sorry, I had a swig of uh, Seven Up in my mouth. Oh, okay.
0: WrestleMania <laughs> fourteen. Fourteen, okay. Yeah, I I really remember that. I remember that that was you know just a huge kickoff to, um, uh, just for me part of the. Uh, you know that attitude era, bringing in such a recognizable star as Mike Tyson. Uh, you know, having him and in, in Stone Cold uh, square off. I I just thought that was it was really well done. So.
1: That makes me remember. I don't remember what where this was on TV, but I remember it was right before WrestleMania 14, and the ring was set up outside of Bo- outside in Boston. Okay. That uh, it was uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, I think Mike Tyson were in the ring. I think this was like the weekend of WrestleMania 14, and they called Stone Cold out. They did a the press conference, and Stone Cold came out. And somehow, someway, Stone Cold shirt was ripped off. Stone Cold's tied up in the ropes, you know, with his arms tied up in the top and middle rope. And I think Triple H and Sean were acting like they were going to punch Stone Cold, but then gave him a kiss on his forehead. <laughs> okay. I still remember that moment. But anyway, my number one... Was it was that we reviewed a few weeks back? Okay. Was when Vince McMahon won the WWF title on the fourth episode of SmackDown. I picked that because that was probably the earliest memory I have of any edition of WWE SmackDown. Nice, and you know, I I like when we reviewed it. The match wasn't as good as I thought it was. But still, just that moment of Vince all bloody, all beaten up, holding the title (laughs) with his family, still, I guess, still has a spot in my heart. Sure. And we talked about that more when we reviewed that that show. Mm Mm-hmm. What's your number one, Beverly?
0: My number one, my most memorable um, moment from TV is Steve Austin with the beer truck. (laughs) Good, Good choice. Love, love, loved watching them uh, dance around and and fall and slip in the beer while he was just having such a fun time. Good stuff. Yeah, that's my number one.
1: So, I wanted to plug again that uh, when this podcast drops, I will be recording an episode with What a Maneuver. Yes. Discussing the WWF In Your House Degeneration X pay-per-view from December of 1997. I'll talk about it on Twitter. Some I'll put up on the Facebook page when it gets released and all that, because I think they, they kind of do I think the same thing like what we're doing this week and then next week, and they're usually pre-recorded a week or so before they drop it. Sounds good. So, yeah, fans, I'll let you know once it drops. I know if you guys can listen to that. If you guys want to hear me talk more about some more wrestling <laughs> and all that, then uh oh yeah, Beverly. Since we are doing a month of first, yes. Do you before we do the plugs? Do you want to plug what we will be discussing next week? If the fans want to keep up with what keep up with a month of first.
0: Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. That our next first is going to be the first Saturday night's main event.
1: That is that'll be the week after Beverly.
0: Oh, come on! Will you correct me then? Tell me what we're actually doing.
1: Well, fine. We fine. We can do the first Saturday night's main event next week.
0: Okay, awesome. Then
1: after that, then you, it's your two choices. Oh, okay. So yeah. yes, next week I guess. Normally, we, normally Beverly and I do. You know, every other week, every other <laughs> podcast we. <laughs> Pick one. So, I guess, you know, this episode and next episode is my two choices. Next week, we will be doing the first Saturday Night's Man Event. And, oh, and because you, thank you for reminding me that last weekend, I also, when the same day we, Beverly and I recorded Nitro One, I also did an interview with Eric Giullo from com, talking about the significance of Saturday Night's Main Event. So, yes. if you guys heard it, cool. I'm gonna also be dropping that in with the episode next week. Cool. So it was a great interview. Eric and I go way back. That he used to have a his own radio show on WBCB. If you remember, Fran Derry and intern Lucas from one of our I think from our second uh, special cast. That Eric was a, was a host before Fran. So that's why I met him. Then he brought his show to the internet. Then. Then he he kind of he quit doing his radio show and then started camelclutchblog dot com that I write for on occasion. I hit last week Kim and I talked about the significance of Saturday Night's event. We talked about Hulk Hogan's popularity, Cindy Lopner. and you know, we also talked about Hogan versus Andre and all that. So, get a listen to. We'll be listening. Well, I'll drop that in with the episode next week. So yeah, then uh, after that, then we'll do what I think the first first. Raw and nitro for a couple episodes after that. So yeah, then we might as we'll plug, plug our stuff. Facebook dot com slash main event status radio, all one word. That's Facebook dot com slash main event status radio. Talk to us on there, like us there. Tell us how much we suck, how much our edits suck, <laughs> how much it sucks here in Beverly Hills. Go through a wood tunnel. Hey. <laughs> tell us how much our pauses suck. That's fine. Talk to us on Twitter, Beverly. How can they talk to you and follow you on Twitter?
0: At Beverly Hills M E S.
1: And for me, it's Dirty Dog M E S Dog as in D A Double G W G Dirty Dog M E S. You no, know, you can also listen to us on our website, maneventstatus.com dot com. That's maneventstatus.com dot com, and on iTunes, search us out on iTunes and all that good stuff. You know, go to the search bar in the library or in the library the whatever homepage, main event status radio and we'll pop up
0: i mean you can listen to us in the library i mean i'm fine with that you can listen to us wherever you want
1: yeah listen yeah. you know all of us, to us on facebook listen to us on twitter listen to us on main event status.com listen to us on itunes whatever floats your boat and whatever whatever uh makes your wheels go around homie <laughs> and beverly what's up <laughs> I love that this episode went longer than the first Clash of Champions on the WWE <laughs> Network.
0: Oh man, we're crazy.
1: And the fans are crazy, too, for if they watch the first Clash of Champions and listen to us talk about the first Clash of Champions that took us longer to talk about than we actually watched. <laughs> well, you gotta love us. Beverly, do you have any closing comments?
0: Nope. Have fun, everybody.
1: And Beverly... Stand by. I'll see you next week at your wedding. We'll party down. Freaks will freak so we'll come out at night. <laughs> and the listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with us for almost two hours. We'll talk to you guys after the matches. Ladies and gentlemen, I really like that. That's fantastic. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen.